Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I've bitten a penny. I will buy the stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to this Monday edition of Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. Spencer Israel, Joel Conan, Dennis Dick. I hope you all are having a better morning than the market today. Uh, market's got a case of the Mondays. Uh, a number of catalysts we were just talking about over the weekend weighing on things uh, this morning. You've got uh, COVID cases still rising. You've got this report about 20 years worth of suspicious banking activity. Regardless of the catalyst, the market is in a spot here. We're going to talk about where it's at, what it means going forward, uh, and, and sort of the, maybe the cliff that we are peering over the edge on uh, this morning. Uh, Nikola, of course, is the top story of the morning. Aside from the overall market talk, uh, Trevor Milton out as chairman. So talk about the follow-through in stock in that. Our guest is Alan Brockstein. He is the founder of New Cannabis Ventures, author of The 420 Investor. He will join us at 8 to 35, give us an update on what's happening in cannabis. I want to see some likes. I want to see some subscriptions. And now I will throw it to Joel. And Joel, tell us about the damage here. In the in the pre market session, uh, some uh, definite follow through from uh, Friday's weak close. Attempted to rally uh, off that six p.m. open. We can only get up uh, ten handles above your closing price. Your pre market high, thirty three twenty six and a quarter. We've traded as low as forty seven and a quarter. Uh, that's right near my uh, August third low of forty four fifty. Uh, nice bounce off that. So maybe it'll take another day or two to. Uh, take out that level. Uh, crude's in the red here by 92 cents, but still over $40 here at 40.40. Uh, hanging in there for now. We'll see if uh, we can hold above 40 for another couple sessions. Uh, not liking gold either. Uh, gold down $25.40 at 1936.70. Silver under $27 at 26.49.5. That's down 63 cents. And Bitcoin, no one even likes Bitcoin this morning. Bitcoin is down $280 at 10600 Triple D, we talk about expirations. We talk about turning points. I wish I would have made this bet with you on Friday, but they're on Friday's close. But uh, are we in for a rough three months here in the market until the December expiration? Um, there's just a lot of things to be concerned about. And I, again, I'm going to say what I said on Friday. Anybody who says they know where this market is going, even a week from now, just forget about everything they're saying. Nobody, not one person in the whole world knows where this market going, is going in the next week. We could turn around and just start ripping and then the dip by the dippers could come back in. Or there could be follow through. I mean, there's a bull and a bear case here. The bear case, if you want to hear the bad news first, we'll give you the bad news first. The bear case is the banks look like hell. And the banks have looked like hell. And I'm, if, if you're looking at buying the dip on stuff, I'm not buying the dip in banks. That's the one thing I would not touch because the relative strength on them has been very poor. We have this news we're going to get to here in a second. But we're just kind of trying to give you the overall landscape here. Um, obviously we've had a significant sell-off in a lot of tech stocks, but that was just because they were overbought. You know, what's more concerning to me is the breakdown in some of the stocks that weren't overbought. And you're starting to see that happen across the board and you're looking overseas and you're looking at stocks like, you know, the banks like HSBC make new 20 year lows. And you're like, man, if the banking system is really having this many problems, 
that's not, you know, a good sign for the overall economy. So, you know, and obviously, you know, we were just overbought too. So, you know, that's kind of the bear case. The bull case is, hey, we've been through worse. You know, yes, the cases are rising a little bit in the UK, but we've been through a hell of a lot worse. It looked like the end of the world in March, and that turned out to be one of the best buying opportunities in the last decade. So, you know, the bull case is going to say, this is just a profit-taking dip. Yes, probably stay away from some of these stocks that haven't been participating in the rallies. But when you look to tech, you know, the tech stocks are still holding up fairly well, even today. I mean, if you look, where is the damage being done? It's not in the queues. It's not really, you know, yes, they're getting hit 1.49%. But, you know, you look at Bank of America down 3.77%. JP Morgan down 4.5%. And overseas, Deutsche Bank down 7%. And Barclays down 6%. It's the banks that are really the catalyst here for today's fall. And, you know, if you've been sitting back and saying, man, these banks have so much value, like, you know, we've heard so many people on, so many commentators on Fast Money that keep saying, yeah, the bank's eventually going to come back. You know what? I don't know if they're going to come back. Because you can argue, you know, oh, yeah, the banks eventually have to come back. But if you bought Citigroup back during the financial crisis in 2008 and, or before it, the stock was $500. You know, people think Citigroup came back because it got back to 80. They don't realize you take your chart back enough, there's a reverse 10 for one split in there. So this is really still trading at $4.30 if you back out the split, which is, you know, where it really is from being at $50 in 2008. So if you bought Citigroup back in 2007, before the financial crisis started, you were still down over 90% on your investment in Citigroup. Do I want to be in the banks when we have COVID cases rising? Do I want to be in the banks when we have a lot of bad loans out there? Do I want to be in the banks when oil is starting to look ugly again? I don't think so. I, I own zero banks in my long-term portfolio because I got burned back in the financial crisis. And I think you stay away from those stocks. So I'm going to be done with my run-on sentence here in one second. But I'm just saying, if you're buying the dip today, I think you're buying this tech stocks again. I don't, I, I don't mind owning some tech stocks, but I don't want to own any, any banks. None. Well, you know, you mentioned the banks, uh, which is a new problem today. And, you know, it's breaking. not though. It's not. Well, it's not okay, new, give no. us the new problem. So right, Spe give, us, Spencer, problem, Spencer. give us the new problem. So everybody knows what the hell we're talking about. Sure. So what happened was uh, BuzzFeed news got access to about 20 years worth of uh, files from the Department of Treasury's Financial Crimes Enforcement Network. And then they went and they shared those files with this consortium of investigative reporters. So that's why you're seeing reports from all these different outlets because they, they shared their, their documents essentially. And what these documents said was uh, there was around 1.3, uh, uh, I'm sorry, around $2 trillion uh, worth of transactions since going back to the late nineties that were flagged as, as suspicious, right? So it doesn't necessarily mean illegal, but potentially illegal, potentially fraudulent, potentially related, related to uh, money laundering or drugs or any other sort of questionable activity. Uh, banks that were cited, Deutsche Bank, JP Morgan, Bank of New York Mellon, Barclays, HSBC. Um, so that's the news here right now this morning. Uh, not, I would say the most surprising uh, headline, if you know anything about uh, banks, if, if you've seen Dirty Money on Netflix, they had a whole episode devoted to HSBC and their, uh, and their, the way they work with the Mexican drug cartels. Uh, so, and the banks themselves were like, this is not, this, they, they said the banks, this, this is not new information. We've known about this. Some of this, a lot of this was self-reported. 
Um, so I would be less concerned about this than I would about, you know, potential bad loans rolling downhill on these banks essentially. But uh, that, that's the news this morning. Uh, a number of, the, of these banks, Deutsche Bank, JP Morgan getting name dropped a lot in these documents. Uh, and now they're having to come to, the, come to their defense and say, yes, we know this is not new information to us, but uh, potentially fraudulent activity going on at banks. And to me, maybe I'm cynical, but to me, that's not a surprise. Let's go back to our Deutsche Bank indicator, which we haven't talked about for probably six months because there's been so many more interesting things to talk about. But we now get a breakdown from key support in Deutsche Bank at $9. And I mean, you're talking about Deutsche Bank at $9. What's the all-time high in Deutsche Bank? Oh, the all-time high. Isn't like 127 or something oh, stupid? Oh, I'd have to go. I mean, this is shows you, and to newer investors out there, that I, stocks don't always one, come back. The banks have never come back. I see 159 in 2007. 159 in 2006. So it's nine bucks here now. So you're down 95. So you've decided, oh yeah, Deutsche Bank, how can you go wrong? Owning you know the biggest German bank, and you know over in, in 2006. Here you are, 14 years later, and you're down 95 percent of your money, and it's not coming back. It's never coming back. Um, 842 now you're down 7% here today this is a breakdown this is a whole new can of worms um, yeah okay maybe it's just on this headline and maybe they figure this out but there's bigger issues here and Mitch was alluding to some of the bigger issues here is that the bottom line is the longer we st- that COVID sticks around the more people you know not talking Wall Street but Main Street are you know hurting And there's a lot of bad loans out there, not only oil loans. There's a lot of bad loans that people are probably behind on their mortgage payments. I mean, you start to get into a situation where we talked about this during in March and it looked like we might be going into financial crisis part two. And obviously that didn't materialize then. But did we just kick the can down the road? Are these banks out of the woods? That's my question to you, Joel. Use the technicals, but you start looking at the banks. I mean, Bank America's 24 bucks. I mean, JP Morgan has held up better. It's probably best of breed. It's getting hit here this morning. If I was going to buy a bank, it would probably be JP Morgan, but I don't want to own any of them. I mean, Wells Fargo's $24. We're just hanging out near the lows. We're not even far from where we were in March. So when everybody was selling everything, I mean, the, the March low actually happened in April and Wells Fargo's 22. And you think about the impressive rally this market has had, and you think about how crappy the banks have been. It's, uh, you know, there was a lot of, a lot of forbearance on a lot of these bad, you know, people that can't pay their mortgages. I think stuff. it's still and, happening. Uh, yeah. And it's still being, uh, you know, kicked down the road. I, I don't know. I mean, to me, like, this isn't like, like shocking news that this happened, right? What, so what are the consequences going to be? You know, are they, are these banks going to get, you know, slapped fines. with huge fines? Probably, that- probably yeah. nothing. I, I, sorry, this specific weakness this morning, honestly, is probably a buy the dip opportunity in the banks. This specific, uh, the weakness in the pre-market. But that and is I would not- tell you, I want to interrupt you on that point. I would tell you other things being equal, if we didn't have the whole situation that we have, in the banks, I would say 100% agree with you, Spencer, that if the bank's only problems was this headline from this morning, I would say buy the dips in the banks. But the banks have big time problems. Why do we know that? Because the stocks haven't rallied. When the S&P has rallied 50% in the last three months, the stock, or six months, the stocks, have, the banks haven't even participated. They've hardly participated. Yes, you can say, day or oh, two. they did. Like for a day or two. For a little for a- bit. 
But yep. you think about where we were in June when it looked like, okay, we're getting out of this. We're going to we flatten the curve and we're getting out of this mess. And Bank America and Wells Fargo went to $33 and Bank America went to $28. We were already back down near the lows. I mean, this is not healthy. The banks are not healthy. And that's why what I always say is I want to buy stocks that are strong on dips. I don't want to buy stocks that are weak on dips. And if you're coming and buying the banks now, saying this is a one-off and they're going to bounce right back, well, maybe this is just an event. And I agree, this is probably just going to be a fine. It's probably not a big deal. But there is underlying issue here that a lot of these banks have a lot of bad loans that could potentially start to impact you know, the, the, obviously the stocks, you know, we've seen it in Wells Fargo where they've had to cut the dividend. Yes, we're going to get some more stress tests. And yes, they'll give them the lowest bar possible to try to get over because this is the most accommodating Fed in the history of the Fed. But when you stop and think about it, these banks are not healthy. No, and they, they didn't rally before, right? Because of you know, the interest rate scenario doesn't seem to be going their way, right? Banks need higher interest rates. They need economic activity, which is which is slowing and there's a lot of loans out there. I mean, if you want to think about all the loans out there to, you know, restaurants out there, I mean, I don't know how much, you know, what percentage it has on the books, but if you, you know, if you have loans out to a bunch of small restaurants and a local small community business. or something, <laughs> holy mackerel. I mean, when are you going to get that? You're, you're not going to get, I think there's going to be, and that's what Jamie Dimon said. And that's what, everybody ignored when he made this statement. It was very weird. He made a statement like, hey, we're bumping up our lost, you know, lost loan provisions. We know it's coming down. And then the next day, some joker from uh, JP Morgan comes out and says, you know, market going all-time highs in two weeks. And it was very, you know, very contradictory. And everyone just kind of sloughed it under the table and said, oh, well, you know, Chinese wall, and they can say what they want. But I mean, Jamie Dimon spoke the truth about his company, his bank, and what he was looking at. And the market still, the market didn't believe him. Maybe this is just coming back to roost. That you know, what was did he say that in June, Spencer? Was it July? You guys remember what I'm talking about when he yeah, came out I, and said I don't remember the exact timing. It was in one of their earnings reports. And he just flat out came and say that. So uh, I have a lot of respect for Jamie Dimon. We talk about the, the Jamie Dimon buy, and this was back in uh, January of 2016. <laughs> or, yeah, when uh, – was it 15 he, or he 16? He bought some shares in uh, stock. It, it yeah. was 16 where he bought and took the market. Uh, yep. But all, we didn't even mention this also, and this is from Friday uh, or maybe Thursday, but, you know, the Fed is – is in the midst of, of their stress test right now with the biggest banks and the limits that they imposed on the banks as far as dividends and buybacks, those limits expire at the end of the quarter. And they, may, they said, we may extend those limits. So that's also a headwind here is the Fed may impose, may uh, prolong the, the limits on, on, on buybacks and on dividend payments that the banks are even allowed to do. Something to keep in mind. There's Everything a, just um, isn't as rosy as the market, you know, believed it was two weeks ago. And we know that, you know, it was a silly town. And we, we said how much the markets were disconnected from fundamentals. But, you know, I was riding the wave. I'm like, you, yeah. gotta, you can't fight it. You can't fight the tape. Market's making you all-time highs. I'm not going to be short. And it pulled the rug out from under it very quickly. You know, we had the fast correction in the NASDAQ in, in 10% correction in four days, which is the fastest one in history. Um, and, you know, you had people coming in 
and buying the dip and saying, you know, I've been rewarded again and again, this is going to work. And if you bought the dip on, you know, four days after, it held up for a week and a half. But now you're breaking down again. You're breaking down below those lows, even on the NASDAQ. So now you can't argue, like, the trends are breaking everywhere. So if you're a trend trader and you're looking here, the trends are literally breaking all over the place. So um, that's an issue. And again, I've said before, the main issue, too, is that the value investors are sitting here and saying, where's the value? The S&P is trading 23, 24 times, and we have a pandemic on our hands. So value investors like myself are sitting back and saying, I'd rather be in cash, even though it's not doing anything, or I'd rather, you know, buy some physical assets or something. Um, but it's hard to go buy stocks when they're trading 24, 25 times. They're, you know, near the tops of their ranges, and you've got still a pandemic going on. So the value really wasn't there. Um, so now you've got a gap happening. And, you know, when do the growth investors come back in and when do the value investors start to say, okay, now we're cheap enough where I can start to come in. The value investors have been coming to the banks for a long time and it's been a value trap, man. And I'm glad I haven't been participating in that because I look, yeah, they look cheap. The nice dividends, 4%, you know, dividend, in a, you know, in a company like JP Morgan or 3.82%, one of the best banks in the world. I mean, it seems like a no brainer, but you know what? It hasn't been a no brainer. Because the stock has underperformed too, and that's the best one. So I, I don't know. Like, I, I, part of me wants to say, you know, go in here and, you know, maybe start, you know, nibbling on some stocks. And if you have a ton of cash, it's probably a good idea. But to be honest with you, if I was buying the dip in anything, it's probably tech stocks again. It's probably tech stocks because they will, you know, if we start to get, you know, a rise in COVID cases, which was so predictable, I mean, it was going to happen when the kids start going back to school and, you know, we start reopening everything in September. We talked about the summer was going to give us a break. We've, you know, if you go in the history of the show and just listen to what we've talked about, you know, we talked back in May and June saying the summer it's, we're going to get a break from the COVID because people are outside, people are doing things, they're not congregating indoors. Now that it started, like in Ontario, for instance, they raised it up to 50 people last month that you could have 50 people indoors. They, they lowered that back last week to 10 only now. So all your churches, all of a sudden, can't have 50 people indoors. They got to go back to 10. So, I mean, we're, we're, ste we're stepping back here now because the cases are starting to spread. So the stay-at-home plays become favorable again. So I don't know if I'm coming and buying Peloton because it's been on such a ridiculous run and maybe it's just, you know, maybe that's not the one, but you start looking at some of the gaming stocks. Well, they've been beat up pretty good. Look at like, any EA sports. You want to buy and if you think COVID's going to start to like start to catch up. EA's down 20% in the last two weeks. I own it already, but if I didn't own it, I'd buy more EA here because you know what? I think EA sports is fine in either scenario. The other thing too is like, okay, Buy the dip. I mean, is it going to work eternally? Like, is, well, this, hey, is this really a dip? <laughs> is this really a dip? If you look at it from where we were at in March to where we were at last month. In certain stocks. Is this is. A, yeah, this is not a dip. Well, in certain stocks it is, though. Like EA. Let's go to EA, what I was okay, just that, giving a case on. That's okay. a nice dip. I mean, here you have people playing more video games. There's no doubt they're playing more video games. We know because the earnings reports have been really well. I mean, this stock broke out from 120. It had, you know, a pretty good run to 147. And now it's pulling back and trying to find support where? In the old 120s, the low 120s again. I, I'd argue that that is a dip. And I'd argue that that's a stock I want to own because I think EA Sports is fine no matter what. Take two, probably the same thing. I haven't brought the chart. I mean, it's up a little bit further. Um, you know, because it was down to like 110. 
but you just start analyzing it all and you start thinking if you, there is some opportunities in some of these plays that probably work with rising COVID cases or without rising COVID cases. So I'm staying away from the banks and I'm buying video games. That's what, that's what I'd be doing today if I didn't already own video. Right. Well, you look at what you went from uh, 74 was that low. And I'm just, I mean, yeah, there was support at this 120 area. I'm looking at that one low. Uh, you went to one, let's just do it just for fun. One, 147 minus 74. So it basically doubled, right? So is there, if this stock goes back to 110, 112, I mean, that would be a healthy 50% retracement of, of that move that it had and, and build a base. So I think you're coming in at like 120. I mean, it, this you're is coming a, in early, maybe. Yeah, I think maybe. Yeah, I think you're because it's just. And maybe it, EA is a, a bad one to, to pick on. Like, I own them all. So, you know, take two, like I'm just saying, the, the gamers, maybe you want to go Glue Mobile, maybe you want to go a take two, maybe you want to go an Activision Blizzard. You know, because some of you were saying EA has a lot of physical video games. That's not as good. Maybe you want to go with Sony. I mean, these are the, the plays that I think work no matter what. So I like the video games. Sure. I'd be a buyer. You know, maybe, I'm, maybe you don't want to pick on EA. The chat doesn't appear to like EA as much. But there's a lot of those to choose from. There's six, seven plays out there. Exactly. Maybe you buy the them sector. all. Yeah. And also stocks, we're talking about a day move, a week move here. And, you know, look at your bottom right candle. You know, they're, they're, those are monthlies. And you can see there's there's periods where it doesn't go anywhere for two or three months, right? It doesn't have to automatically go back to 140. It doesn't automatically have to go to 100. It doesn't have to do anything. Yeah. So if the best thing here, if it's the kind of scenario that you're talking about, you know, it might take a month or two months or three months to, you know, to find a little base here, work its layover, get the institutional. Because, you know, the institutional group, it, you know, they're selling up here, right? I mean, they're, they're not, not only they're probably selling here too. I, I think for, you got to look at it just like today and the perspective of everything. I, I know it's like by the dip. To me, this doesn't look like, uh, it, well, let's take a look at something else, like take two. The dip's not as substantial, but it is. I mean, you're a 155, 180. This is a dip. When you go back to 130, it's not a dip. It's a complete give back of the entire move. Okay. So if you're looking at dips, I mean, I, you can look to Amazon. You know, Amazon's a good dip buy. You know, we got, um, I, oh man, I can't say that name in the chat. Sorry. What kind of color are you? Silver. Silver, <laughs> Yozy, Gura. I'm going to call you Silver. Silver in the chat just said Amazon. I mean, that's a dip, Joel. Here that is, is the company dip. that is firing on every cylinder. This Amazon works in every environment. People are buying more stuff online. Yes, you know, it's trading, you know, maybe 60 or 70 times earnings. But you know what? It's only trading like three or four times sales. And that's reasonable. And I think you still got Amazon growth at a reasonable price. I own Amazon. If I didn't own Amazon, it's, it's down 600 bucks here. It's down 20% in the last two weeks. This is the kind of stock I would buy. I'm saying if you have a lot of cash and you're looking for stuff to buy. If you're on margin right now, you have no right being on margin because there is problems here and we could have issues. But if you're looking for stocks to buy on the dip, and that's kind of what we're doing right now in this segment, Amazon. The stocks that were working and taking off first in March, those are the ones I want to own today. All right. I've got a stock that you can buy on the dip that was taking off in June. I know what it's going to be. <laughs> Nicola. <laughs> okay, let's go talk some individual stories here. Trevor Milton is on the run. What's going on here? Where is Trevor He's Milton? Not on the run. Where is I'm just joking. He's not on the run. But where is Trevor Milton? He's leaving Nicola? 
uh, well, I imagine he's home right now, but yeah, he is. Why? Not, he is no Did he say longer, why? He, he uh, according to the, the release, I guess we'll never really, really know what happened, but he has voluntarily, according to the company, uh, stepped down uh, from his role as chairman of Nice. So remember, he was no longer the CEO. He stepped down as CEO a few months ago uh, prior to this whole uh, Hindenburg thing. Um, and he's now no longer the chairman of the company. So that was the news that was out last night. And um, oh. he also he also agreed. Uh, let's see. Um, no, that's that's not a that's not a major headline. So uh, he still owns, I think, twenty percent of the company. Um, and I know there's a lockup expiration in December for all the private investors. Um, but I, I you can't take stock, the heat. Even for this stock, the move this morning seems a little bit. Or is, is this on him? Do we know if this is him, like he just wants out, or is this like them kicking him out? Well, uh, he's, again, you know, we know he's been very promotional. He, we know he cusses and swears, you know, and he gives his defense of the Hindenburg, you know, like it, it, the professionalism hasn't been there. You know, we can safely say that. Where'd you hear him cuss and swear? On that, um, they had to beep it out. It was on CNBC when he was talking about Hindenburg report and he was talking about these Blanken short sellers. All right. Well, know, and, anyway, oh, I didn't hear that. The, the oh, yeah, cost said, he's cost. I mean, come on, get professional. The company said he said that he 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 uh, voluntarily stepped down. Uh, we'll never know exactly what went down. I suspect, but that is that is the line this morning. That's the party line. He said, could, "I'm out." Could this be a good thing for it? Could it be a good thing that Again, maybe he still, he get, still owns 20% of the, he's still like, well, yeah, he still owns a ton of the company, but it could be a good thing that somebody else starts running this. He was not running it. He's well, not, what was he, he doing? He's not, he was the chairman. He was the figurehead. I'm, I'm sure. Well, he was the one that was out there promoting it every day. He was the only face. I don't even know he's any still, other people. He still can. He still can. Okay. I, I, I'm not sure how this, it's obviously down 28%, but this is, is this the capitulation event? I mean, the valuation's nuts. So as a value investor, I'm not touching Nikolai because they don't even make it. They haven't even made a car. You know, you know, we pushed it on the hill. They haven't even made a running truck and they were trying to give it the valuation general motors at one time. It's just silly town. I mean, really? Yeah. Did, did Nikolai, didn't Nikolai get his worth as much as like general motors? I'm sure at some point. At the highs. I'm sure it's this shows you how stupid this market is. It shows you how stupid this market was. Maybe not is anymore. Maybe this is all coming to roost. But when Nikola got up to $90 a share, the market cap was like oh, $40 billion. For, uh, they haven't even made a, a running truck yet. And you know, GM's market cap at the time was like $40 billion. Yeah, so it was basically up to General Motors market cap. This is stupid. That's all it was. $90 was just plain out stupid. So now it's 24 at a certain price. Maybe, you know, that the concepts were something, but this is a conceptual company really still. We don't even have yet General Motors. If General Motors backs out on the partnering here and there's so much circus oh. show happening here, that would not surprise me. Um, I don't know. GM, I think, I, I think GM is, is probably fine one way or the other because the nature of their partnership, remember, is GM got uh, an equity stake, but also Nikola uh, is paying GM $700 million, I think, or whatever it came out to, uh, to make their, their pickup trucks for them. So, I mean, worst case scenario, GM's the equity stake goes up in smoke and they don't get paid to make trucks. And then no harm, no foul. But 
I think GM is fine either way. But I, I, I can understand why they would treat Yeah, this is not going to – don't think GM's going to start to implode. GM's going to be oh. down just because it's a, if they have to get out of this, it's like, okay, well, you can't do your due diligence a little bit better on this deal. I mean, three weeks later. So, I mean, that it's like a slap in the face to, you know, how they're operating there to a certain extent. So, But, you know, it's not you know, a, a huge impact to General Motors whatsoever. Uh, you know, obviously the stock's down, everything's down here today. And I, I don't think General Motors is going to lose like 10% on something like this. I, I don't know. Like, I don't want to be a buyer of Nikola. I was impressed how well it was holding up 30, last yeah. week. Yep, when, when, that... In the face of bad news, it kept trying to bounce back. But now you get like Trevor Milton's out. I mean, we, we, we kept saying, I kept saying, I can't buy it. I love the relative strength that it was holding up well in the face of bad news. But I was like, we don't know what's going to be uncovered here. And now that Trevor Milton's leaving, maybe there is going to be some stuff uncovered. And I think that's probably what the market spooked about. Milton's getting out. Well, what else is going on here? And maybe some of this Hindenburg stuff is all true. So that's the problem is there's just too many unknowns when you've got in, in investigations. You know, who's investigating them now? Multiple, multiple re- yeah, regulators, the, correct? The SEC and the DOJ, I think. DOJ, SEC. I mean, they start uncovering more stuff. The stock's going lower. So we, we don't know. If they come out and they say, no, the company's clean, it's going to rally significantly off that. But you have a binary event happening too. But when Trevor Milton's leaving, that makes me concerned that there is more skeletons in the closet here. Yeah, I mean, got under twenty-two bucks. I mean, if you wanna, if you wanna be a hero, uh, I don't know, twenty-one fifty-two. Now that's a four-point bounce off that low. So that tells me that you know, I, I would say if you wanna own this today, or if you wanna cover short today, you're gonna have to step out ahead of twenty-one fifty-two. You're four bucks above it. You just hit twenty-six. Twenty-six is. A little bit of the rebound here. That's your resistance right now. I can't, I'll have to drill back on the dailies. I think if you really wanted to be conservative on this one and say, you know, I'm not going to try and buy it at 22 or 23 or 24 or whatever, maybe wait for this thing to close back above 30 because you had a mound of support there, you mound of buyers, a mound of people are stuck. And now that uh, that old old uh, support, which was monthly support too, is now going to be monthly resistance. So it's just too yeah. many unknowns. I mean, we said it last week, and I I did say I like the relative strength that's holding up well in the face of bad news, but there's too many unknowns. And you know, you have something like this, and Milton's leaving. What else is going on there? I, I don't want to touch it just for those. Yeah. Reasons. Exactly. And uh, how, how are these other electric car companies that uh, holding up? Well, the funny thing no. is, and, and you know, they're holding up well. I'm glad I you're mean, at- really well. Tesla here is hell hold. Look at Tesla today again. Um, obviously, battery day is coming, and this is just the, the simplest trade ever. Buy it ahead of battery day. I mean, it's up eight bucks. I don't know if there's positive analyst commentary or whatever is driving it, or if this is just pre battery day, but the market's imploding. You know, like we got stocks getting really hammered, and Tesla's up again. I tell. I that is unbelievable, unbelievable that the stock's up again. Is there a headline here besides Battery Day being tomorrow? Uh, no, that's pretty much the gist of it's it. It's unbelievable. <laughs> Something we all know about, we've all known about for months, and Tesla's like, oh, Battery Day, we've got to buy it anyways. It's it's also their their annual shareholder meeting. So there, there will be some more financial stuff tomorrow besides just the batteries. And Elon Musk, I, I guess he said something about they have they this could be a record quarter for the company but oh he did say that that was an leaked email there you go i did read that over the weekend leaked email that it was gonna be record quarter. i mean i hope so 
No, no. He he said they have a shot at a record quarter. That's well, I hope so. I hope they have a shot at a record quarter. The stock's up like 500% in the last six months or whatever. <laughs> so I hope so. It'd be pretty bad if it's like, oh, these profits aren't that great. So anyways, it, then Tesla never made any sense. It doesn't have to make sense, though, because this market still you know, sees it as the future of all automobile travel. And until it starts to rationalize and say that, you know, this, you know, we got a pie here. Tesla's being valued at like three quarters of the pie right now. And they're probably not going to eat three quarters of the pie. Until that happens, the stock's going to hold up well. The market thinks it's going to eat the whole damn pie. And leave nothing for anybody else. General Motors, Ford are getting Everyone's going to be driving a, a Tesla, right? They're all going to, yeah, they're not. It's, they're all going to be better driving electric vehicles. I mean, Tesla's been impressive. Yeah, obviously, the stock's very impressive. I can't buy it here because, you know, it doesn't make any fundamental sense whatsoever. But, you know, as a trade, I can buy it here. So as in a long-term investment, I'm not touching it, but as a trade, the relative strength is amazing. Again, what you see often is a run-up ahead of battery day. And, you know, sometimes you see a sell-on news event here. So you're going to probably see some relative strength today and tomorrow into battery day. And then, you know, we'll see what happens after that. Super but, interesting area here. Uh, you can see it, it just got over 454 uh, just a little over an hour ago. But look at that. You got a pair of highs. Let's just call it 460 because that, that splits the high from 57.79 and 61.94. That, that's a level for you. Uh, you break above that, then you can say hello to 500. Uh, 449.76 has been the high close of the rebound. So we're ju- we're up seven bucks. We're holding in here. I'd say 450, 460, man. Bust above 460, I'll no doubt I'll be on the road to 500. If this thing cannot hold 450, you could give some back here. And I, I know you got the dynamics with the battery day and stuff, but yeah. man, what if you were still long this thing? Like you, you, you wrote it up like, like I do. I'm, I'm kind of talking against my book here. Uh, and then yeah, you are long. I, I, this thing. I, I want out. I want out. Lisa won't let you out. She's still worried about the floor in the kitchen. I can't talk to her about anything. Else. <laughs> She's not worried about the Tesla. I mean, the Tesla starts <laughs> going up. So it's been, I, I what about, what a, what, t- a, what a, what a, but just like what a gift this is. We, we've got Alan Broxton coming on one minute. I just want to say one stock before we get Alan on here. Right. Neo. What about Neo? Because uh, this, if you're really looking, what is the other big alternative, you know, electric car play out there? And that's been really performing well. You have a lot of concepts, but what do you have? Who, who do you have still making real electric cars? Neo. Well, this stock's holding up well. Yeah. I, you know what? I have had Neo. I've played it a couple of times here. I like it here right now. I, I like this pullback in Neo. So you know what? On the pullback today, if Tesla can hold up like it is, and Tesla's your leader here, Tesla starts rolling over, Neo will go with it. But if Tesla wants to hold up like this, it's not out of the realm of possibility that Neo could start making new highs again. So I kind of like the pullback this morning. It's down three percent or two and a half percent. I'd be buying Neo if I was buying an electric car play. All right, let's pivot here and bring on our guest, Alan Brockstein. He's the author of the 420 Investor, founding partner of New Cannabis Ventures. Alan, good morning. Uh, I want to know when you're buying your electric vehicle, whatever, whenever that is, whatever that is. Well, first of all, I have to complain about my Zoom skills because uh, it's oh. not letting me start my video. There we oh, go. We got to okay. see Alan. Uh, no. Okay, there we go. There we go. That's weird. Yeah, yeah thing about right. your Zoom skills, right? I don't know. Zoom, it, it must be oh, no, it's, it's saying cannot start video. Failed to start the video camera. Please select another video camera. Huh. 
Just plug your boy. video camera and plug it back in. I've seen that work. <laughs> That's how I do everything. You know, it's kick the box my, when it doesn't uh, work. All right, yeah. I'm going to pick a different one. I don't have a different one. That usually works. Weird. We hear oh, you well. well. We hear you well. So it's like radio today then, Alan. I got all dressed up for you guys. Oh, no. We got to see Alan Braxton. I tried out and plug it and plug it back in. One time. We'll give you one chance. Just There's nothing little, to plug. It, it's my USB. Whole... There's got to be a USB there. Pull the USB I, I and pull it. No, it's my whole computer. Oh, well. Was a video camera built into your computer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, well I don't know how to fix that. Then kick it. So, look, I don't go anywhere, so I don't need a car. I, I, I go to the True. grocery store twice a week. I could walk. <laughs> That's You're selling to point. No one's going, <laughs> no one's going anywhere. Uh, Alan, I, I want to lead off with Aurora Cannabis, who I believe is due to report, what, tomorrow? Is, did I get that right? Tomorrow after the close? If They me- are. If memory serves. Uh, any surprises that we should look forward to or, or just more of the same? Uh, so there's only really, in my view, one thing uh, to look forward to tomorrow uh, on that, and that's uh, the new CEO, uh, oh, there we go. I know what the problem was. All right. User error. <laughs> <laughs> there he uh, is. Dressed uh, to impress. So, hello. Uh, so there's a new CEO. He, he wasn't very well received. The announcement of him wasn't very well received. Uh, Miguel built the CBD business in the United States that they, that they just acquired. And uh, uh, I think uh, the, the reason why it wasn't well received is people had expectations they get more of somebody with global experience. I, I have no opinion. And I'm actually uh, looking at this as like, if you go back uh, to, to May, the last time they reported, I, I was butt long the stock in my model portfolios. And uh, it was uh, a little bit uh, scary. If you look at the chart, uh, uh, and people had written off the company for dead. And, uh, and then the stock literally quadrupled over the next few days. So, uh, in the end, that was probably more of a short squeeze, but a, a little bit of reality. So here we are back to that, essentially that same area. And I am not butt long, I'm slightly long in my model portfolios. Uh, I think Aurora has been written off for dead yet again, and it, it's not dead. Uh, but the question I would say for not only Aurora, but the entire Canadian LP space is, when's it gonna get rocking and rolling? And uh, so I, Back to your question uh, about tomorrow. It's really, I think there's the chance that people reassess their, their view of this, this person. He, he used to work at Altria, I believe. He may be the right person. He may say the right things. I don't know yet. Uh, I don't think we're gonna quadruple uh, uh, tomorrow afternoon or, or, or Wednesday morning, but uh, of, of the largest uh, Canadian licensed producers, I, I think, uh, I. I I have Aurora is better than average of the top five. Below average is easier to call. To me, that's canopy growth on valuation and Tilray on, I don't know what the hell that company is. But, uh, you know, I know, Dennis, you, you're a big fan of a free or you've paid a lot of attention to it. And Well, I guess because from my hometown, I exactly. haven't been a fan and, of it, but I, I, I'm familiar with, you know, the right. people who are running it. And obviously it's from my hometown, town of only 25,000 people. So, yeah. Um, what do you think of a free? The stock's holding up, actually. So I, 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 when Erwin Simon went there, he, he, he joined, uh, you know, at a time when the company was under a, a lot of uh, pressure because they'd gone, like a lot of their peers, on this global shopping spree. And there was a lot of insider uh, pocket lining, it seemed. And, you know, so there was, there was a lot of turmoil when he went there. And, and I thought, uh, and he's not the only person that I would describe this way, but 
you know, so many people just, they think they're, they're uh, these uh, corporate superstars and they can just walk into to a new industry, whether it's the cannabis industry or anyone and just, you know, shine immediately. And so I, I had some doubts about Erwin Simon and I followed this guy for a long time and just have a, a few yellow flags on the guy. But I, but I will say, you know, a, a year and a half, year, almost two years later, uh, I think he's done a pretty decent job. They've done a great job in terms of uh, leading market share in Canada, which is, uh, you know, an important first step if you're going to be a cannabis company. I think they have too much capacity and I think that's going to have to be addressed. But uh, I've warmed up to free. I have no positions right now, but they'll be reporting in mid-October. I, I have my eye on them. I mean, expectations, even going back to ACB, are low for these companies now. I yes, mean, very low in this, Canada. Yep. You can see it, like everybody, you know, when the U.S. came out, now they're talking, you know, grow generation, you know, and a lot of people yep. have moved on to the U.S. Yeah. They've kind of, the Canadian company's been forgotten. So if, if they come and, you know, say anything like showing like, oh, you know, we're, we're not that bad, maybe they could get, you know, even a short squeeze pop because there's a lot of people that are short these things too. So, so for the Canadian bulls out there, let me give some hope and for the bears, a little bit of a warning. So, you know, I've been following that space for a long time and it's very sentiment driven. And there's this group think that always takes over. Like in October of 18, these things were the best things since sliced bread. They're going to keep going up. And right now, I would say the sentiment is about as bad as it can get. So just if you step back and you look at what's going on, uh, the market's actually improving. And there's still a lot of structural problems in Canada, in my opinion. Uh, but obviously, the valuations, they may not be great, but they're certainly better just by definition. And uh, the sentiment is about as bad as it can get. And if you look at the data on Friday, StatsCan uh, released... Uh, data for July. I don't know why they're so slow up there, but for July. And uh, it showed that uh, retail sales were up 15% sequentially. And there's been a lot of noise in data, both north and south of the border because of the pandemic and stocking up and all that. This was a clear, clear sign that the Canadian retail market is alive and kicking. And it's been so challenging for so many reasons. But uh, I, I would point to just two things that people should look at. Uh, go to the online stores and, and, and look at the products that are starting to hit. Vape pens are very popular. Edibles are doing okay. These are new products. They, for a lot of reasons, they've been kind of slow to roll out because uh, of how bad the, the prior rollout was. Uh, for those that aren't paying attention, these LPs grew flour. They shipped it. They thought it was selling. They found out it wasn't. They had to lower the price after the fact or accept it back and destroy it. So this caused a lot of bad things in the numbers. And so this time they're a little bit more cautious about how they roll that out. But the bigger story, and it showed up in the data because StatsCan releases it by province, Ontario has been very slow to open stores. This is, this is a recurring theme, not just in Canada, but in California and other places as well. And Ontario's store count is expanding rapidly. And uh, I think about half of that gain from July to June was due to Ontario, where there's more stores. So there's a couple of dynamics that I think favor. Now, if you're going to be bullish on Canada, all year I've been saying, I don't think the best buys are in the largest names, but certainly that's the one the traders go to. And let me switch gears and give you one more thing. In the past, when the U.S. Uh, stocks have gotten some interest, uh, it's helped the Canadian ones, whether it should or shouldn't. And so... Logic might dictate that nobody 
should say, well, the U.S. elections ahead are a catalyst for the Canadian companies, because theoretically they're not, I don't think. But with that said, the way these ETFs work, with the way stupid traders operate, I subscribe to briefing.com. Anytime there's something positive on Canvas in the United States, they highlight these Canadian tickers, even though it makes no sense. So they're make, I'm very bullish about uh, the election season here, and, and it's more than just a trade. This is... Uh, a game changer, I believe, for the U.S. cannabis space. Uh, in the past, there's been these trades due to the election. This year, uh, you know, I, I think to really be a game changer, we need a Democratic Senate. But we have some states uh, that are voting to legalize, four of them. Uh, New Jersey, extremely important because it's on the East Coast and could trigger a wave of uh, other states adopting. Arizona, uh, an important state. It's a big medical state. But those two states are very important because there's a lot of publicly traded companies already operating there. And then in addition, while these states aren't big, they're, they're uh, red states, uh, South Dakota and Montana. And so if their voters approved to legalize, uh, it would move us more towards a lot more senators on both sides of the aisles, at least understanding what's going on. So big, big, big uh, election ahead. And Alan, speaking of the U.S. side of this market here, it, U.S. cannabis was one of the hottest trades of the summer. It's yep. definitely cooled off over the past five or six weeks, uh, or maybe four or five weeks. But uh, yeah, since since they reported, it was a sell the news type of event. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So just talk about you know that that trade because you know I I've, sure. I'm I'm long U.S. cannabis. I was excited to see uh, the MSOS ETF. I, I don't I don't need to own it because I own a number of the you know, top holdings in it, but I was excited to see a, a, an ETF just for U.S. cannabis companies. Talk about that trade right now. Sure. So, well, first of all, to correct that, that U.S. MSOs, it's not exactly what you said, but it, it's more getting closer to what you said. And it's okay. only eight, what is it? Uh, 8 million in assets. So that's a non-event right now. Uh, so look, the, the run-up into the reports uh, was justified for these largest MSOs. And people talk about the big four, and just for your audience that may not be familiar, typically the ones that they've talked about have been alphabetically Cresco, Cureleaf, Green Thumb Industries, or GTI, and TrueLeaf. And these four, the reason they talked about them, they all have billion dollar market caps and very large revenue. And all of them delivered very encouraging quarters in terms of uh, rapid revenue growth and as well uh, either profitability or moves towards pr uh, profitability. So uh, both the top and bottom line improved across the board for those. But what was interesting to me beyond that, in uh, the numbers got really big, by the way. Uh, I got excited in May when GTI crossed 100 million for a quarter. We had three companies cross 100 million this quarter and, and Cresco's really close. But it went beyond that. And everybody needs to understand the United States is not a winner-take-all market. Uh, because of each state being different and some states limiting your presence there. So, so like truly even Florida is half the market. It's amazing, but they can't be that everywhere. It's impossible. And Cureleaf has the largest market cap, but they're limited in, in, in states like Pennsylvania to only 15 stores. So they can't, they can't be half of Pennsylvania. Uh, so, but we, we are seeing more companies. And so uh, Terrasend is, is a company that has a billion dollar market cap now. And this was the one company of all that's managed 
to be a Canadian LP that figured out how to win in the United States. And so they have rocked and rolled uh, and they've held their gains. Another company that's really crossed my radar. Wait, screen uh, is- real fast. TRSSF is on that one. I'm sorry. I'm just saying for the for listeners, TR. Yeah, TRSSF or TER in Canada. Right. And then Columbia Care, which, you know, they, they did everything you can do to not be liked as a public company. They, they were a SPAC. People are leery of that. They, they stayed listed on the NEO for a long time. They didn't really push their U.S. listing. But that company is, is right at a billion dollars now. And they've gone out and done some big things with the Colorado acquisition and now a pending California acquisition. So these are six companies, but the list goes on. There are a lot of companies. And so to your, to your question, what happened was a lot of these companies ran up into the report and held some of the gains a few days. But what we saw happen was uh, investors decide that, hey, these companies have done great, but there's other companies. And so the, the list goes pretty deep in terms of uh, the uh, multi-state operators that aren't at a billion yet, but that have really done well since the largest MSOs have rolled over. Now, I think the largest MSOs have had a nice pullback. So people that want to trade those names, uh, I've been actually adding exposure recently uh, to, to these names in my model portfolios at 420 Investor. What about grow generation? Can we just like go into that one? Because this is the one that Kramer has been talking about. This is the one that a lot of people have been talking about. It's kind of in consolidation station. You had this really wicked move in the middle of August where it went from $10 up to 23 bucks. And then it's pulled back and consolidated here now. What are your thoughts on this one? So I've only been following this company since it went public. So I I do know it fairly well. And uh, I, I have to say, I really blew it. I, I got out of it entirely, uh, almost entirely, uh, because of that capital raise. And they raised capital, I'd like to remind everybody, $48 million at $5.65. So there's a lot of people sitting fat and happy in the name right now. Uh, and, and so when they did that capital raise, you have to roll your chart back a little bit to see that, but it was at the end of June, early July. And uh, th- yeah, I guess it's there. So the stock pulled back, but it never was anywhere near that 565. And I, I missed out on several chances to, to buy it back. So the stock gapped up when they reported and it was a very strong report. And this is a very solid theme, I think. And the company I believe has done a good job uh, in terms of executing. It has not always been easy. Uh, for instance, in 2018, they had negative same store sales. They had a primarily Colorado uh, base and they've become more diversified now with exposure to newer markets like Michigan and Oklahoma. So the stock ran up to an incredibly stupid level, in my opinion. And uh, this was because they appeared on Kramer and Robinhood and all that. And then a short report came out. And I have to say, uh, a lot of this information, uh, well, look, these short reports are always just bringing up stuff that's not necessarily new, but it's putting in front of people's face. I was a little disturbed by this. I did learn some things that I didn't know. And I think, look, I know these people very well and I think they've done a good job. And uh, I think there's some things in their past that may be a little bit concerning. Uh, I think to me, uh, what it says is they probably need to bring in more professional management, whether the short report came out or not. They've done a good job of taking this company to where it is. Uh, but these guys are more investor types, not operators types. And one of my complaints, and it really came out in that short report, 
<clears throat> I don't know their CFO, but he doesn't look like a NASDAQ CFO. I'm not talking about physically, but his background. And, and I, I think they need to upgrade their management before I'd be really confident in the name. Uh, what I've been telling subscribers at 420 Investor is uh, I, I followed Scott's Miracle Grow for a long time. And to me, it was always a challenge because I used to joke about they're focused on the wrong kind of grass. They're, they're focused on the right kind of grass, but huh. a bigger focus on the wrong kind of grass. But this is a great pandemic company. Uh, people are sitting at home, looking out in their yards, and they're willing, they have extra time, they're willing, and they have extra money if they have a job. So they're working from home, they see their yard, they're spending more money. And this has driven Scott's Miracle Grow SMJ a lot higher. And, but I would say they're, if you, if you like Grogen, you should be looking at Scott's Miracle Grow if you're comfortable that the pandemic's not going away tomorrow because their cannabis business is very similar and they own the brands. Grogen sells their stuff, but SMG is the brands. And I don't get why Kramer's not interviewing Jim Hagedorn. Jim Hagedorn's like Jim Kramer, just like a crazy guy. Be a great interview. Maybe he's been there before, but not. They recently. did have him on before. You're talking he did about have him on before. Yeah, I, I can imagine this too, yeah, being yeah. a lot of fun to watch, but. So the, the cannabis story there is very similar. And I think the valuation to me makes more sense. Uh, you know, I, I get it why people would be interested in Grogen, but there's a lot of M&A that's going to have to drive Grogen's growth. Like they gave guidance that includes M&A. And with this short report, if I were selling my company and I was aware of that short report, I might pause a little bit. So they've, they've done a... I think that's been a core competency of Grogen. They've done some great M&A. They use their stock and a little bit of cash and they get good deals on their M&A. With that said, there's a lawsuit right now that was filed by Grogen <clears throat> against the last deal they did, I believe. It was in Michigan, one of the last couple of deals they did. And it shows some real flaws in their due diligence. So I, just to answer your question, I, I have a very small position in Grogen. No, I'm out of Grogen. I have no position in Grogen right now. What about Tilray? What about Tilray? Someone's asking about Tilray. Yeah, it's the least interesting of the large LPs. And, and I, I would say if you're going to be in a large LP, before there, uh, look at uh, Aurora is the cheap play that could be rescued maybe or turnaround. Look at Kronos as the big wad of cash that has a lot of the same opportunity set as Canopy Growth, although it's not as advanced. But you know, they don't have the cash burn of, of canopy growth. They're in, and they have the strategic partner. Or look at Afria is probably the best combination of uh, uh, operational expertise, management capability, and balance sheet, although it's not the best of those balance sheets. I don't have positions in any of those except for a small one in Aurora right now. I think the United States shouldn't be the exclusive focus. In Canada, the, I'm more interested in some of the smaller names right now. And uh, Alan, full disclosure, I, I dumped my uh, Alcana, my Alcana. I love Alcana. You're crazy. The inside. Oh, uh, you know body. what happened? You know what happened? Uh, one of the one of my managers, my managers switched firms, uh -huh. and there was like a big rigmarole about transferring that stock out. And then I looked really? at the chart. Yeah, I don't know because it's, I, I don't know. It was. Please let you sell it. something. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, so I, I sold that. I, I thought that stock was going to do a lot better. So I, I got to tell you, that one kicked my ass too because I was afraid that Aurora was going to dump their stake, and they did, and they dumped it at a low price, and the stock just went up. So I, I got, I, I've, 
I've just said, you know what? You got to look forward. You can't look backwards. And that is one cheap stock. And yes, I'm a cannabis guy, but that's a liquor story. They're cannabis. I know. Companies. I know. I, yeah. just, uh, Dennis What's the symbol on that one? L-Q-S-I-F. Dennis told me not Too to many buy symbols. it. L-Q-S-I-F. Dennis, you told me not to buy it. C-L-I-Q. L-Q-S-I-F. I don't buy anything with five symbols. Yeah, you know. C-L-I-Q. C-L-I-Q on the T-S-X. L-Q-S-I-F. And the other one that I had that I don't know how I made it, how I made money on this trade. I don't even know. Leaf Buyer Technologies. Oh, my God. That's a pump and dump. Yeah, I don't know because that, that was supposed to be the Google of cannabis. Like you were supposed to be able to, like, I remember the, he was, tr- Joel yeah, was that to only cost them $200,000 to get that out there. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got out of that one too. Woo. All right. So 200,000 to get that out there. <laughs> great. Great trade. Alan Broxine oh. is. I have uh, some dogs in there. You know, I got to have some dogs in your portfolio. It's true. Alan Broxine is the author of The 420 Investor, also a founding partner at New Cannabis Ventures. He's at our cannabis events. Uh, he's quoted frequently in our articles. We appreciate it, his time, as always, Alan. Uh, thanks a lot, and uh, have a good one. Have a great end of the year, guys. Yeah, thanks, yeah we'll get right. you on before We're, that, Alan. Yeah, he's Thank coming you. on before that. All right. Uh, that is that for Alan. Let's do a couple tickers, uh, if I can. I know we, we went late on Alan, sure. uh, but just so much stuff to talk about. Uh, I saw a few people mention Costco in the chat. They report earnings, don't they, this week? Did I, did I, did I get that right? Uh, yeah. They're, they're kind of late, right? Uh, yeah, they're on the 24th. They're after the close. And uh, so they're on people's radar this week. I'm long it just because it reports this week. <laughs> that, that I, you know how I like that the stocks yep. to report. Yeah, it's actually holding up okay. So, considering, so I'll limit uh, my comments. Boom, 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 boom. I, short term, I mean, you're trading down. I don't know how much volume. Ah, only eight, nine thousand shares. When you trade it down this much, um, I'll go to the pre-market chart here. Really, you just got to look at yesterday's range, right? And uh, the bottom of rest yesterday's, we haven't taken out yesterday's low yet, have we? Let me see here in Costco. Uh, no, we're not even close. So showing some relative strength here, 331.20. So that's a good thing. Uh, that's your support. Uh, a lot of people would like to see this and unchanged today, 335.96. I would even like throw an order if you want it out today on a pop. I would even go out there at like 335.50, you know, in case they open it, you know, 334 and then, you know, they get some paper, buying it, buying it, buying it, buying it up, and then boom. So the close will be resistance and uh, support, good support night on a relative strength basis. Yesterday's low, 31.20. Uh, also, my, also in the chat and also reporting this week is Rite Aid. Uh, they're on Thursday before the open. We have Nike tomorrow after the close. Um, Nike pullback could be interesting ahead of the ahead of the earnings report because you'll probably see some strength in this ahead of the earnings report. So I don't mind the Nike pullback here this morning. Great support just above one ten in this one. I don't know if you're going to get it that cheap trading down a buck ninety three, but uh, yeah. that one ten. Look at all those lows of one ten before you went up and kissed one twenty. Uh, and then just a lot of ratings today. Uh, Capri Holdings upgraded, Dunkin' upgraded, UPS got a new street high price targeted from Credit Suisse this morning. 
Um, I think it's 159 that I read. If that was, I read that like two hours ago. But stocks are firing on all cylinders. UPS and right. FedEx. Uh, yeah. Oh, sorry, 192. 192 is the new. I'm sticking with my FedEx. Um, yeah, you're gonna be complaining about that one soon. One day. Yeah, you will. Oh, I complain about everything. You, Dennis. I'm a Dennis, complainer. Please do something. Can you sell half of your FedEx? Then it's going to go back down to 200. And I know, and then I'll say, why didn't I sell? It's going to go yeah. back down to 150 probably. And be like, wow, that was such an opportunity back when everybody was in the COVID bubble. And <laughs> <Getting everything. laughs> hindsight, so one year from now, when we're all out of the COVID bubble and we're like, we're going back to stores and eating at restaurants. <laughs> we're like, why didn't I sell my FedEx? <laughs> <laughs> There'll be like this old beaten up FedEx truck like going down the street or something, and you'll be like, with the I'm flat still tire. in, still holding. I don't know. I don't like that it's, it had. Well, they faded. You don't like something about this chart. This chart's been phenomenal. How do you not like this FedEx chart? Straight up. Okay. And when and when did it peak? On what day? Earnings well, day. What day, everything. But it's still holding up pretty well. Market's down 10%, or the Qs are down 10%. This thing's down like nothing. Dennis? Earnings day. It did. It peaked okay. on earnings day. Let's see. It's at. Joel's two, a short seller. 238 and a half. I'm not buying anything today. Like at least, well, I should be. This is by the. Gym. How about? So how, I, like I, I buy video edge. games today. I'm buying video games today. How about two twenty three versus two fifty? Oh, I'm not doing it. I already own FedEx. I don't need to be double long. I already have it, so I'm already making money if it goes up. I don't need to make your lunch on that one. I'm buying video games, Joel. Two forty two. I mean, that's your resistance. If you get a look shot at that today, Dennis, 41.95 was the low from yesterday. 42.11, your low on Thursday. 242 is your resistance. And uh, pre-market low, let's see if you get a big, big area. Next daily support comes in at 230.51. Uh, SP's coming up off the low. Rally. Or, yeah, we got a rally going. Little one. Probably has seen the high and the low for the day, maybe. And then we'll just go up and chop in like the 3270, 3280 area for the rest of the day. But uh, a little bit, uh, a little, they tried to press it when we were on Allen under 3250. Now attempting to rebound going into the 930 p.m. open. All right. Uh, that'll be a wrap for us. I, I see all the likes. I appreciate the likes. We appreciate the super chat comments as well in the YouTube chat. Thanks to all of our participants on youtube on What's uh, super what do you mean super chat the when you can it, donation more or less super oh. chat is uh you know you drop us i thought know. there was some secret chat i didn't know no about. no no uh in, the, in chat, addition to the other four the chat what about tiktok exactly go do you want to talk about tiktok let's go let's talk yes, about I, TikTok. I heard that trump's gonna nominate tiktok to the supreme court Maybe. That'd be a pretty good one. Oh, that was a good one. I'll give you that one. That was good. Oracle, Walmart, uh, both in no, the green. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. I'm long Oracle. I'll talk against my book. I think it's a selling opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not selling it because I'm in for eight bucks. So anyways, Oracle. Um, it's a big pop. I mean, in a stock. I, it's I, been holding on, man. Every time I'll it pops you. up on this TikTok stuff. Yeah, and it didn't get slaughtered after earnings. Oh, 59. Dennis, hold on. Put a stop in at fifty-eight ninety-five and a <laughs> half. To put a stop in on it. Fifty-eight ninety-five and a half. And then long and strong. Okay. Let's hold it up, man. This is so unoracle. This is unoracle to be up this long and hold on. I don't know. We'll see. It's bucking the market. It's up to two fifty. Got a rally going on here. Yeah, All we right. do. You, you, know, you can email us with any feedback. Premarket at benzinga.com. Sure. Please remember that all the information. 
and material from our show is meant to be used as informational purposes, not for investing or trading advice. We'll be back at 3.40 p.m. Eastern time on our YouTube channel. In the meantime, everyone have a great rest of your day and uh, good luck.